Okay, this is the Multipod. Welcome back, everybody. My name's Ted. I am your host today for this episode. I'm very pleased to be joined by my new friend, Diana. Diana, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. So, uh, Diana and I have connected recently in our, our little mastermind group that kind of uh, sprung out of the putty verse, but a few of us went uh, off on our own to do a little mastermind thing where we share our business uh, ideas and challenges and help each other out. So that's been nice for us to connect. Uh, Diana's focus is on photography. She is a, a wonderful photographer. We'll share her website and her uh, examples of some of her work, and I, I'm sure you'll agree that she has a wonderful knack, a wonderful eye for photography, and that's uh, that's been her focus for her business. But as we'll learn that, you know, it's a, it's a the constant multipod challenge of uh, how do you focus and trying to basically streamline things as much as possible to, to like make the best decisions in the moment for your business. So we'll chat a bit about that today and we'll learn a bit about uh, the art of storytelling through photography, which is a really neat topic. You know, we I, I always love learning about storytelling and, and kind of the approach to that, the mentality. And the idea of doing it visually is uh, is an interesting idea too. So uh, we'll, we'll get some of her insight into that and how she prepares her, her clients and the mindset going into telling a story through photographs. So uh, first of all, Diana, how did you discover the Puttyverse? How did you come across the community? You know, I'm not sure where I first discovered the Puttyverse. Um, I think I found out about it from a friend, and I thought it was a wonderful idea because I've known for a while that I'm a polymath or multipod or multipotentialite, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, and I have found very few resources out there to really help me along with that journey. So it was wonderful to find the Puttyverse. And I really had a sense of relief coming in and chatting with people who really got how I think. Uh, even though we may have different fields and different interests, I think there's a commonality in how we all think as multipods and that, that curiosity, that drive to learn things, and that ability to see connections within things that I think is really wonderful. And it's so much fun to be a part of that. And thank you, by the way, for your wonderful introduction. It's been so great to be in the mastermind as well um, and bounce ideas yeah. off of people, again, who are like-minded and a similar stage that I am to creating new things. Yeah, it's true. It's it's been a nice group to be a part of. Well, both things really our mastermind and the the Puttyverse in general. How well? When did you join the the community? It's actually only been a few months, but I feel like I hit the ground running, and I have gotten so much out of it. Nice. So I'm I'm super happy to be here. Yeah, it's uh, we often talk on this show how people can take it at, at their own pace. You know, some people jump right in, some people take a little while, some people come and go. And uh, and I've certainly learned that over the almost four years that I've been part of the group that, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's busy times when you don't have the time and, and others when uh, it's it's a big part of your life, it's, which has been the case for me the last little while. So it's really nice. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great support network for lots of people. How did you, like, discover the group? How did you find out about the group? I want to say that a friend who is also an accountability partner told me about it and she'd spent some time there. And it, I think we probably connect. We were in a different group called the marketing seminar. And I think mm -hmm. we connected because we were both polymaths. Um, and then she told me about it. So, yeah, nice. When you think back to long before you knew about the term multipotentialite or polymath, et cetera, is it the type of thing that you kind of identified in yourself when you were young, when you were growing up and most of your life? 
I think so. I mean, I certainly got the question that a lot of people get when they're younger, which is what do you want to be when you grow up? And when I was younger, I wanted to be an author. I wanted to write books. Mm. I wanted to uh, be a veterinarian and I wanted to be an astronaut. The astronaut thing didn't pan out. Um, I hopefully <laughs> will become, well, I guess I am a published writer, but I'm self-published. Sure. Um, but I hope to be do more writing um, in the future. And as far as the veterinarian thing, that I didn't go that way, but I've always enjoyed nature and um, I've always had pets. And I think it got replaced by different things along the way. But also, hmm. I think that I discovered that there were so many different interests that I had that they didn't fit neatly into one box. And I think that's sort of a journey that I had throughout life. I, I think I realized pretty early on, though, in answer to your question, that I had lots of different interests and they weren't always going to fit neatly into someone's definition. How were you able to navigate, I guess, the pressures or expectations that you know all of us have? We all kind of face these choices. Well, you have to choose something, right? How are you able to navigate that? <laughs> um, well, I I went to college and I wasn't really sure what to decide on for a major. Um, and I ended up picking anthropology. And one of the reasons I picked anthropology was because it felt to me like it covered a lot of different topics. There was the science, there was the linguistics, uh, cultural anthropology and social interactions, art, music, dance, all these different things that I was interested in. And it kind of wrapped it all up in this bundle of how humans interact with each other. So that was an, a great major for me until I graduated from college and tried to find a job, <laughs> which is one of the multipod challenges, of course. And I did think it allowed me to have a really wonderful base, not only in all these different subjects, but also I think that the skills that I learned in anthropology were great because um, it's about really how to interact with other people and how to look at yourself and other people with an objective lens. Mm. And there's a lot in there. And um, that was one of the th ways that I tried to incorporate multi-potentiality into an actual college major and maybe a career. It was a little more hard. It was a little harder with the career part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, what did you do after you got out of college? Have you bounced around a few different jobs and, and like professions and things? Definitely. Yeah. I didn't have something specific like engineering or something that people could easily recognize as a skill set. I have a lot of soft skills, of course, like, like we all do. And I developed a lot of different uh, skills through various jobs. I found myself gravitating towards jobs where I could pull a lot of different interests into the job. So for example, I've been a music together teacher, which is a lot of fun. It incorporates my love of music, uh, teaching, and it's very much a think on your feet in the moment kind of job because you're teaching children and their parents music in a way that facilitates the music learning versus like actual formal teaching. So you're in an environment where things are constantly changing and you're really setting them up for success, but they're doing the actual practice and experimentation with the music. So yeah. as a teacher, you're really a facilitator and you're bringing in all of your knowledge constantly and constantly changing and thinking on your feet, literally, because you're on your feet. Um, another job I had was a park ranger. I was a National Park Service ranger on the National Mall for three oh, years. Yeah. Cool. And that was another job where I could embrace both my love of history and nature and interact with people in a lot of different ways and help them in different ways. And again, be on my feet because I like to move around. <laughs> yeah. So 
That's very similar to my job. That's because, you know, I work for Parks Canada, the equivalent, and uh, doing interpretation at a local historical site here in Ottawa, even in the capital, because you're just outside of Washington, D.C., right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's true. And it's uh, it's been a great, it, they're great jobs to incorporate all kinds of different things. You get, you know, the conversation with people, lots of different topics, and uh, every day is a little different, and it's nice to be outside and ex- exercise, things like that. So you, Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, that's neat. We have that in common. So do you still do any of that or did you move on from the parks ranger stuff? Well, at a certain point, I was actually a stay-at-home mom for a long time after working for the park service and I did the music together part-time. And there came a point where I felt like I wanted to do a little more and needed to do a little more. And I thought about my different options. And one option, of course, was to go back to work. And for me, that just wasn't a great plan because I still had young children. I still wanted to be flexible and around. And then also I could have gone back to school. I could have gotten a graduate degree in something specific. But what really attracted my attention and felt really good to me was the idea of starting my own business. And photography has been something that I've enjoyed for a really long time. And I kept on thinking about it. I really enjoy taking documentary photography of my friends and family. So not asking them to pose, uh, basically just capturing the moment, capturing how people are feeling and what they're doing. And I thought, you know, I don't see a lot of people doing that type of photography for families. Maybe I could start a business and do that and offer that to people. And it was a bit of a leap for me because I think that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to start a business when you, <laughs> when you haven't done it before. Yeah. But it felt right at the time. That's good. Yeah. When did you get started? Has that been a couple of years now? It's been a, it's been a while. Yeah. I actually had a slow start, but the reason why I started when I did was I had been thinking about it for a while and a friend who knew me really well, and we've known each other since uh, we were children, said to me, you know, I know you and you just need to start the business. Don't think about it too much. Just start it and then you can go, you can build it up as you go, but just start it, make a start of it and run with it. And he was right. You know, it took me a long time to actually get to the point where I was actually making any money or anything like that, but it was good to start. Yeah. Because even the experience is is so valuable, you know, just to get the chance to be out there practicing and, and learning how to do it. Yeah. Yes. And and of course, again, as multipods, we like learning new things. And the idea of learning how to run a business was really appealing to me as well. Had you always had an interest then in photography from when you were little? Yes, I have. I didn't actually start doing photography with any sort of regularity until I was a teenager. But when I was younger, my dad was really into photography. My mom enjoyed it. And so I was surrounded by people who enjoyed taking pictures all the time. And a lot of times they weren't the standard snapshots. They were um, creative, artsy kind of pictures. And I also was really influenced by some of the things I saw when I was younger, for example, we always had a National Geographic magazine on the coffee table. Nice. And I would look through that again and again and again. <laughs> and I was just like, I mean, I wore out those copies just looking at all the pictures. Um, it was sort of like chocolate or some kind of irresistible dessert to me. I loved yeah. the colors. I loved the way they were composed. It was just wonderful. Neat. Yeah, I, I have fond memories of that too. We'd come to visit my grandparents and they had a whole like decades worth of National Geographic. (laughs) And I'd be like seven years old or something. And like, that was easily one of my first inspirations to travel and see the world was just looking at all these amazing places. And these are like editions from the 1950s and 60s. You know, you see pictures Mm -hmm. of like Venice and the Alps and, and all around the world. 
it definitely inspired my, I, I really wanted to travel <laughs> yeah. after, after looking through those, definitely. And I think I also picked up that sense of um, the flow of a story in photographs and the idea of how you could tell a f- story just in photographs. Because I found myself not really reading the articles so much as looking at the pictures and understanding the story through the pictures, which I suppose is the point. But the articles are great too. But I, <laughs> yeah. I really focused on the photographs. So yeah, I'm interested to to learn more about your take on how, uh, like your mindset towards taking pictures where there's no text, there's no copy, and the whole point is that you tell the story through photography. And in your case, I mean, it's largely with, I gather, with families and just kind of, you know, fairly casual uh, environments. So what do you tell the people when you have a, you're setting up a session that how you're going to like organize it and present it? What do you ask them to, to do or to think about? That's a great question. So with families, and I do do some branding photography too, which is a little bit different. But with families, I actually ask them to be themselves and to relax and have fun because what I'm really trying to capture is how their life is so that when they look back at the pictures, they can remember how it felt for them to be there in that moment. Mm. So for example, like when I my kids were younger, um, some of my favorite pictures of them are like playing on the living room floor and me playing with them or, you know, somebody else playing with them. And because it takes me back to that floor time era. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> I remember that I have a great picture that my husband took my my son, he had one of those little push push car kind of things. And he would put his helmet on he had a helmet. And we had these big, uh, we would make these big stacks of cardboard blocks, and he would go and he would bang them down and with his helmet on in his little car. And uh, it was just something he, he loved doing. And because we have the picture, we can remember exactly what that was like. Nice. Because the thing is that, and now my kids are 17 and 20 this year. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So wow. they're 17 and 20 this year. <laughs> My son's in, my older son's in college, my younger one's in high school. And when you, you forget things is what I was going to say. You forget things and you don't think you're going to forget things, but you do. And sometimes those photographs can take you back to that moment. So Hmm. when I take a picture of families, I don't want to take a picture of them posed the way I'd like them to be. I want them to be in the moment doing something they would normally do. So I often encourage them to think about what's a normal day for you? What do you want to remember? You know, and, and sometimes that evolves naturally, and we're just at their house, um, or whatever, and we go outside. And, you know, sometimes it'll be something more specific, like uh, maybe running through the sprinkler on a summer day, or something like Mm -hmm. that, where, you know, it's one of those childhood memories that they remember, from their own childhoods and they want to give to their children yeah. and 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 remember that. So so but but basically I'm in the moment. I'm documenting them for the most part and I'm not telling them what to do. And what I look for are those those things. It's hard to describe in words, but sometimes <laughs> but, but like I'm looking for little details that will show you what's going on. Little details and ways of interacting. So my main goal is to show relationships, show how people feel, show expressions and personality. And it's really interesting when you look at families, a lot of times children will repeat the same behaviors over and over again. So if you capture them doing that, it's often something that's very characteristic of that person. And then also they mirror the adults around them, which is a fascinating thing. 
So the gestures and the uh, the expressions of the adults are mirrored in the children. And we don't even see this happening on a regular basis. But then when you look back at sure. it, you're like, oh, yeah, there's this resemblance there. And there's this interaction going on that we don't even notice in our everyday lives. So I imagine it's you, you kind of you must have a, a an instinct or a knack for identifying the characteristics of people, the personalities and those subtle cues, you know, nonverbal communication and things like that. I think that it's about observing. There's a lot of observation yeah. that goes on. And that's why my sessions, the documentary family sessions that I do or other people do, it takes a little bit longer than a regular session because you're really observing. You're looking at what's going on and you're trying to find the stories that are there versus creating the stories that you want to tell. You're finding the stories that actually exist there. Yeah, like they have to warm up to it, kind of. Yeah, I think people do take a few minutes to be comfortable if they haven't worked with me or another photographer who does this before. And it's a little, it's a little weird, maybe, to have somebody there and like photographing you um, in your natural environment, you know, because we're used to posing and we're used to smiling for the camera and like taking selfies or whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's kind of ironic in a way. Like, do people know that that's what they're they're getting when they they hire you like do they hire you because you have this style i yes and i i do try to make that really clear now i do maybe one or two look in the camera shots or um you know something that's a little bit more lifestyle lifestyle just means it's just gently directed i guess you would call it maybe for 15 minutes so i do i do also do that in my sessions but then i'm like okay you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell you what to do and you just go ahead and do that mm -hmm. but i explain that before the session and I try to make it very clear because it's a very specific genre of photography. And if you love it, you love it, <laughs> you know, but I, I definitely want people to know before I show up and just document their lives that that's what I'm doing. So then how do they respond when you, when you give them that setup? I mean, direction to some extent, but then when you tell them how it's going to go and even at the end, like what's your, what's the response like after it's all done? Do they, do they say that was cool or it was kind of weird? <laughs> Well, a lot of people are, are not sure what to expect at first. And mm -hmm. then when they see the pictures, they get it. And they understand that what I've been doing is creating this story for them that's really a story about their real lives and that this is going to help them remember. And I think, I think intellectually people know that, but when they actually see the photographs, it can be a very powerful emotional thing for them. So they might, yeah, you know, they might see a photograph uh, or two or, or the whole series of, of a day in the, the afternoon in their life. And a lot of times people get very emotional. Sometimes they cry <laughs> when they see the pictures, which is, um, I think the people who are drawn to this kind of photography have a lot of empathy and sentimentality, I think. Uh, and they really mm -hmm. enjoy their lives and they want to remember them. So I think there is a huge part of that in what I do. Do you think, in your experience, is there demand? Is there a lot of demand for this style, or if not, does maybe people just don't know enough about it or don't realize it's a thing? I think some people don't realize it's a thing. I think some people, when they find it, are really happy to find it. I know that I was looking for this before I became this type of photographer for families. I was actually looking. This was this has always been kind of my natural style of taking photographs of people but I couldn't find other people to do it for me. And so I even, <laughs> even I was married in 1995 and I actually tried to hire a newspaper photographer because I knew that I could get that style and he refused. So, 
<laughs> it didn't really? happen. But, wow. um, but I actually knew that I really, really liked that style and I really wanted to find something. Now, now there's more people who do documentary family photography. Um, you know, I did, certainly didn't invent it, but came to it naturally. But I, you know, there's a lot of people who do it now. Um, I do think it's not as well known as some other genres of photography. So. Were you attracted to the storytelling first and then using photography as a way to tell those stories? Or were you more, for you, did it start with, I want to take great pictures, I love photography, and then, okay, this is a way to do it? Well, that's a good question, because I think, I think I've realized over the years that storytelling is one of the big umbrellas that I can put all of my interests under. So when I was younger, mm. I read all the time. I read every story I could read, in addition to looking at those pictures in the National Geographic. And like I said, I wanted to write and I did all of these other things that related to storytelling. So when I first started photography, I think I did what a lot of people do and they, they kind of just experiment and try to figure out the camera. So when I was 14, my dad wanted to give me a, a camera for Christmas and a camera class. And that was when I started actually doing it. I guess doing it on a regular basis. So I actually was, a, it was funny because I, I was, I was actually a little disappointed because uh, we didn't have a ton of money. So that was my big present that year. <laughs> So I didn't get whatever else I wanted. But dad turned out to be right, knowing that I would like it. So I went to this class and I started taking pictures and I loved taking pictures of nature. That's what I started with. I grew up in New Hampshire. So there was a lot of beautiful scenery and just really amazing. Yeah, so I started doing that. And um, then I convinced my friends to let me take pictures of them. And <laughs> I started doing that kind of style. And, and then I think it kind of flowed from there. I did uh, family photos that way and everything else and just for fun. So I think that it evolved naturally over time. I think that's the answer to your question. Because <laughs> then did you kind of stumble into this method of, you know, taking pictures but, and even maybe formalizing it as like a business, a service offer? Yeah, I actually encountered a creative live course by Kirsten Lewis, who made this this genre very popular and had come to it on her own as well and um, has done a lot for the genre of documentary family photography. So there was definitely a lot of support in um, her class and also in other groups that I'm in. So I think it sort of built on itself. Like, you know, I kind of came to it naturally, but I also had a lot of support in some of the methods and techniques. Yeah. Does it change any of the way then that you like present the photos or package them or prepare them for your clients? Yes. I think that when you do more of a um, traditional or a lifestyle type session, and lifestyle, like I said, just means gently directed. So you might not have a stiffly posed picture, but you have like people interacting, you're just directing right. them. It's really, the difference is really in the approach between lifestyle and documentary. Um, it's about whether you're directing people or not. So if you have those more traditional or lifestyle type shoots, you're, you're probably only going to want to have a few pictures because you're, you're just doing poses. And I think with documentary, you might have, <laughs> you have a lot more photographs because uh, you can kind of go further with the story. So I think that there's probably more photographs generated during a documentary photo session. And some people will even shoot an entire day in the life. So you can actually have like somebody, I haven't done this um, very often, but, um, but you, especially not since the pandemic, but you can actually have somebody, you know, follow your family around for the entire day and do this. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of like, I guess the politicians and stuff. There's a guy, I didn't, no, I met him briefly. There's a guy who was a student at where I work at, for Parks Canada, and he was into photography. 
and he moved on before I I started working there, and then he ended up being the official personal photographer to Justin Trudeau, the prime minister, and he's he's oh. quite well known for his photos because they're exactly like that. You know, there's Justin like sitting at his desk and doing his thing and playing with his kids and all this stuff, and he travels with them, and this guy takes those pictures, and that's it. I could imagine, same with, you know, the president of the White House and all the rest. Like, there's just always a photographer just kind of, I mean, buzzing around, but just kind of there, you know, in the corner documenting everything. So I guess it's kind of a similar mentality, right? Like, when you're there, when you're doing a session, do you say much or you're just kind of there and let them do their thing? That's a good question. I, you know, I think... I think I do interact a little bit. Um, I'm not afraid to interact. I'm not exactly the fly on the wall where I'm, I'm, I'm never interacting. And also because I'm working with young children, it would be weird if I just kind of stood in the corner. <laughs> so, so I do interact with them and I show them what's on the back of my camera. And I like, I want to make them feel comfortable right away with what I'm doing. And I do kind of try to blend into the background if something is happening. So it is very much like photojournalism or what you're talking about, like documenting the president or something. And I love, obviously, that style of photography. I love Pete Souza in particular. Um, He was the guy in the White House, wasn't he? Oh, yes. And he was there there more than once, but um, he photographed uh, Barack Obama, President Obama. And he's been very um, active on uh, Instagram and that sort of thing. And there's recently a documentary about him that was fascinating about his work. Hmm. So, but definitely I'm inspired by photojournalism and other documentary photography that isn't in that family genre. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you do have some other clients besides just families as as best you can? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually really enjoy working with creatives. So people who do music or art or dance and also small business owners who are, um, I especially like passion-based small business owners or or entrepreneurs because I feel like they have a really great story to tell. And I want to help them do that with photographs. And so I do a blend of lifestyle and documentary for those people my goal is to help them connect with the people who will really love what they do. When those people see the picture, they'll they'll understand that person's story and they'll nice. they'll want to connect with them. Yeah, that's really nice. Is it? Uh, I'm curious about the approach to storytelling when it comes to photography because when you think about the written word, I mean, generally there's well known the story arcs, you know, the beginning and there's a build up and the tension and the climax and all this kind of stuff, and that's you know, generally a form of like storytelling, and you see it in movies and all the rest. But with photography, is it is it that linear or is it more like little snapshots? Do you leave it to the person viewing it to make up their own story, interpret it themselves? That is a really great question. And I actually teach a class called Storytelling Photography. Okay. We talk about this. Oh, I'll share that. <laughs> so the, the challenge, of course, is that especially if you just have one photograph, it's a, it's a two-dimensional thing. And it's very hard to create that entire story arc within that yeah. one flat two-dimensional image. So sometimes you do leave a little bit of mystery, a little bit of anticipation, yeah. and you suggest that something's going to happen or you catch something in the middle. So maybe somebody is about to jump over something and you don't see the end. You don't see the resolution of the story, but you kind of know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you get to make that up yourself, you know, depending on what they're jumping into or out over yeah. on top of. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that a lot of the elements of story are in a great photograph anyway. So you have your context and your character. Mm-hmm. And I think also with photography, as with a great story, 
you also have some kind of change or transformation happening either with the character in the photograph or maybe also with the viewer experiencing some kind of change or transformation. Those are the best photographs. Yeah. It's a little easier maybe in some ways to have more than one photograph and to show a series of photographs. And that's certainly another way to go. And with families, that's often something that I'm thinking about too, is showing showing the progression of something that's happening in time or showing a detail and maybe a large wide shot and then maybe something Mm -hmm. uh, a few other shots that that give you the the idea of what it's like to be there and the flow of energy and the you know personalities in the family right do they usually like print many of your pictures like do they do they have to print a whole bunch or is it usually just they they take them in digital form well, that is up to them. They have a they have that choice, but I encourage everyone to print their photographs. And whether you're taking them yourself or you're or you hire someone else to photograph your family, it's so important to print for several reasons. One is that a print is still the best way to preserve your photographs really? over time. If you think about it, you know, you think about how technology changes and you think about like, well, do you remember floppy disks? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Sure. <laughs> Some people don't. <laughs> um, so the technology for digital photographs is actually going to change over time. And it's good to store those and keep those as well. But a photograph, a print, you can always make a copy of. It's yeah. always there. It's tangible. And they last, a, they last a long time. So I encourage people to print their photographs for that reason. But even maybe more important is that we need to see them. In families, if you have your photographs on your computer, your children aren't seeing the photographs typically. Mm -hmm. So if you put them on the wall or you put them in a book where the kids can flip through or they can see them every day, it's wonderful because prints do a lot of things for us. uh, Photographs do a lot of things for us. And one of the things that they do is they nurture children's self-esteem when they see themselves Mm -hmm. in photographs and they uh, see them, especially with their family. That's that's actually been um, that's actually been studied and, and documented that it does increase self esteem when children can see those photographs and of course it makes us happy to see photographs of things mm-hmm. on the wall that we love and people that we love um, in general and helps us remember things um, but going a step further with documentary photography my feeling is that when we take pictures of our family or our friends or ourselves where we're not posing or we're not dressed up a certain way or we're not putting on some kind of um, extra stuff. We're basically saying we're okay as we are and you're okay as you are. So I think that's a really powerful message to give to our children is like, you're okay just as you are. And we're taking these photos and this is, this is you. And that's great. Mm, Yeah, that's great. Yeah. My mom did a nice thing first. She made a little, uh, like a photo flip book for both of our kids that uh, just family photos and all of us are in there, you know, kind of one at a time. There's maybe a dozen or so pictures, but they, they'll they take this thing into bed and they'll like flip through them as they're falling asleep. It's really nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, when I was a kid, I remember flipping through. My parents made a second album for me of my baby pictures yeah. and I would get that all the time and I would flip through it and I still have those pictures. Um, you know, I still have the album and I still enjoy looking at the pictures. I just, it's something... Um, it's very tangible. Yeah, it's something Talk about it. Yeah. And I actually have the old album with the crinkly paper and everything. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> where the pictures were stuck in. It's from the 70s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh. It reminds me, in turn, of, of the downside of digital music. Because, like, 
another one of my fond memories is as a kid is looking at um, uh, record covers, especially like vinyl, and you know the artwork and everything that would come with with music with your favorite albums. And like basically none of that exists anymore unless you buy a physical copy, and people rarely do. It's all digital. And so I, w- I realized, like, how are my kids going to discover that music and have that multi-sensory kind of experience, you know? I did buy them, my daughter, Lisa, she's five. I, I bought her this little MP3 player and put some variety of music on, different styles and stuff, so at least she can listen to it. But um, the only way, like, I'd have to, I'd love to, but I, I don't know, maybe one of these days I'll get a record player again and start my record collection again, you know? <laughs> I lost them all a few years ago. But yeah, you miss that tactile side of of these uh, otherwise digital experience. You kind of forget the convenience of digital is great, and you can pack like thousands of pictures into one tiny little hard drive. But yeah, it's it is good to have the physical side as well. Definitely, and yeah, we have we my my seventeen year old has gotten into records and a record nice. player, and I didn't realize until he did that how much I missed that experience of handling records yeah. and playing it and having to get up and turn it over <laughs> is even fun for me now. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's maybe it is a worthwhile collection to have again. <laughs> huh. Well, I, a lot of us listening, I bet, are wondering how on earth we can work with you because your wonderful work is like, it's physical. Again, it's in person. Is there anything that you can offer us or anybody, you know, remotely? I have been pivoting my business a little bit since the 2020 yeah. and thinking about some of the ways that I can help people from afar. So I do have some online photography classes that I've offered online. And I also um, have been pivoting a little bit into doing more marketing and branding for people. So I really enjoy helping people develop their brand story, uh, especially, like I said, creative small business owners and entrepreneurs who have a great story to tell. Um, I, you know, I would love to help people tell that story yeah. either in words or in pictures, you know, in a kind of, if, even if I can't be there in person, maybe more of a, more of a DIY, I'll teach you how to take the pictures. Um, and then also um, I've been toying with the idea <laughs> of adding on photo organization because I really do feel strongly about people being able to enjoy their photographs. And a lot of times we have either a real life shoebox or a digital shoebox of (laughs) photographs stashed somewhere. And I would love to help people bring that out and into a place, an album or something where they can enjoy it with their families. Mm, That's a great idea. Yeah. Like just the thought of organizing all my pictures is so intimidating. (laughs) I don't have that kind of time. (laughs) I want to do it though. Yes. Yes. Do you have like, so what do you think you'd kind of, if 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 I was to give you like remote access, you know, remote desktop kind of thing, I guess, and you could come in and uh, and sort out my folders, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. There's a few different ways uh, ways that that can work, but yes, yeah, so you can do remote access, or you can simply transfer files, and I can rename them, and then um, work with you to pick the your favorites mm-hmm. and actually design an album or something like that. Um, but yes, yeah, it's about you know renaming the files in, a, in an orderly way so we can find them again and uh, putting them in a safe place, and then mm-hmm. getting them into something where you can see them. Yeah, I like that. Maybe a positive result to it. Uh, again, a a tactile kind of thing that it's not just organizing whereupon you'll probably forget about them again, but that there's something that comes out of it. That's a nice idea. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) There needs to be an end result for that. (laughs) 
And I can vouch for your branding exercise too. You know, I did that a few weeks ago just for my website. And uh, yeah, it's very helpful, really, really helpful having different perspective and someone who has some experience in that and, and ask the right questions. So that's definitely something, if you haven't already, you should add to our, our Puttyverse Marketplace list so that people know they can hire you for I that. I will definitely yeah, do yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, this has been wonderful getting to know more of your story and how your business works because I've been really curious about this approach to storytelling through photography and how it translates into into a business and, and uh, you know, the type of things you can you can do for people and help people. So it's been great to, to learn about how you've put that all together. I guess maybe the last question is, what are your plans for the, you know, foreseeable future, say the next few months, the next year or two? I guess it's a type of business. Obviously, it's tricky with pandemic and stuff, and we all hope that it'll fade away uh, soon. But um, do you have uh, any specific goals for your your business or just kind of keep doing what you're doing? Oh, good question. Um, as everyone else is, I'm sort of feeling out 2021 as it happens. Yeah. Um, but I'm feeling really positive about some of the things you mentioned, which are the online services that I can provide to people, because that opens me up to a whole new world of people. Yeah. And I think that's been a wonderful thing that has happened recently, that people have been able to connect with people all over the world. And we feel maybe more comfortable doing that mm-hmm. now. And we can expand our horizons, at least virtually, if we can't do it uh, physically. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to doing more of the branding photography and the brand story virtual help for people and um, maybe doing some photo organization as well and um, kind of getting back into the swing of things locally as well with some family photography. I feel like, you know, we are at a point here in Northern Virginia. I'm in Alexandria, Virginia, Mm -hmm. and we're at a point now where a lot of people are getting their vaccines. A lot of people are getting out. And a lot other people are feeling more comfortable being around other people, which is great. Yeah. So I think people are hopeful at this point that uh, that things are getting back at least to a little bit of normal. So so yeah, so my goals are to to see what happens in 2021, but to definitely be moving towards some of these things that I've been t- talking about and doing more of them. Yeah, that's great. Well, we wish you all the best, and we'll keep in touch. Uh, uh, let us know your progress in, on the forum and places like that, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, great. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers.